Hi, Nina. Hey, Max. What time is it? It's coaching time. Let's do it. Pleasure to to spend, hopefully, half an hour, an hour. I don't know. Um, oh, we'll see how we go. But um, yeah, super nice to have you on here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, mm. I think Nina and I are very excited, also because we haven't recorded one in a while. Um, there was a lot of holidays. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think we're very happy to to be back around this table recording another fun episode. Well, thank you for having me. I'll just add that in there. And it's exciting to share some knowledge, some wisdom, and to do so with two incredible hosts is always is always fun. I'd like to start with a question, um, which I thought is easier to to ask than just say tell us something about you. So, if I'd meet someone tomorrow and they'd ask me what I did yesterday, and I say I'd recorded I recorded a podcast with Bruce, what would I have to tell them about you? Hmm, that's a great question. I already can tell this is going to be an incredibly <laughs> fascinating conversation. Uh, what you could say is someone who really manages to look at what happens in life, in their own personal life, who manages to challenge their beliefs while having a very open mind to learn about every intricacy that life has to offer, mm. right? Whether that's socially, interpersonally, philosophically, it's just understanding the world around us so that we can navigate it much better. You know, it's it's if you're driving in the rain in the beautiful city of London in the UK, as it rains a lot, <laughs> you're driving, and a lot of people are driving without using their wipers. Mm. And then they're going to have an accident, right? So it's all about getting clarity. And I think that's one thing I really focus on mm -hmm. is helping to get clarity in our lives and understanding why people do what they do, why we do what we do, and what we can intentionally do to make the next moment better than the last. That's a very nice uh, introduction. Yeah. Just on the clarity, how do you gain clarity in your life? Do you have a certain procedure? Do you do it intuitively? Yeah, yeah well, first I got LASIK, which is eye surgery. Um, no, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I did. And it actually did help my vision quite a bit. Right? I mean, there's an amazing quote. I believe it's by Helen Keller. And she says, the only thing worse than being blind uh, is having sight but no vision. Right? And how you gain clarity is it becomes a consciousness thing where you become aware and present. And that even that's difficult, right? Because when do you really become aware? For myself, it's events that happen in your life that force you to grow. So I, I would say the best way to gain clarity and how you would do that is just to ask yourself, how did I get to where I'm at now? Why am I thinking the way I'm thinking? And am I content with that? And if not, you see, okay, what can be different? How can I look at things differently to shift the perspective? And if you're humble enough, you can ask people their insights. You don't have to accept their diagnosis of whatever's happening, but welcome it in because it challenges your own bias. So all those things included help you to see it much more clearly than you otherwise would. And for myself, that's what it was. Enough experiences and kind of out of necessity, right? They say necessity is the mother of ingenuity, right? Because of the necessity, we look at things differently. Okay, I have to think. I was recording videos the other day by myself and I'm interviewing people. So what did, what did I do? I would find two people and I said, Hey guys, I'm making videos. Yeah. Would one of you mind recording me and the other person? 
that's kind of a weird thing to do, but you got to be creative. You got to see things differently. And after doing that, I had the clarity that people aren't as resistant as you may think. So up until the point where you challenge the belief, you really don't know the validity of it. And I think that's what we constantly have to do if we want to grow and become more full human beings. Mm. Yeah. How did that play out when you asked them? I'd be interested to. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, first, you have to warm them up. You know. So yeah. first, they had a they had a dog with them. So I went over to them. I said, "Wow, guys, I, I have to pet your dog. This is there's mm. no way I can." So I pet the dog. I said, "Great." I said, "Okay, listen. So I'm making videos on social media. Uh, usually, I have someone to help me, but today I don't. So if one of you would." be so willing to help me out. I would greatly appreciate it. And that's really it. Like, there's something that is so important that most people don't understand. And it's the frame that you create with people. Mm. So the first experience you have with someone, you're creating a frame. If you go in timid, they have nothing that they can know about you, except for that first initial reaction that you were timid. And now that creates the frame that, okay, you're the stranger who's timid. As instead, if if I approach and I'm more confident, if I'm playful, I'm creating that frame of that playful, confident person. And now they feel more relaxed, you know, because I'm a stranger. Who knows what I'm going to do? Who knows what I want? Who knows how long I'm going to stay? Yeah. So going in there and just having that frame in that way, it makes it much smoother, not just for them, but also for me. Because it makes it a more natural experience for all three of us in that setting. Yeah, it would have been probably like a strange approach if you go up and say, excuse me, guys, can you film me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'd be like, I who, mean, who is this? Um, who's this guy? What does he yeah. want? What is he? Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely true. Do you have a, one or two like go-to questions to create like a deeper connection when you meet someone the first time? So would that be, did I already have any kind of conversation with them or it's the very first words out of my mouth? The very first words out of your mouth. If I had to do that, and it's a little more bold and people may not be receptive. And this is actually something to notate. People are going to reject you and they're not always rejecting you. They're rejecting their impression of you at that moment. Mm. Right. So if I walk up to someone and I just don't have the best demeanor, they may reject me. But if I walk and I have a much different demeanor, let's say maybe um, just as an example, uh, two meters tall, I'm super duper strong. I have beautiful hair. And I'm walking around with something, a beautiful dog, let's just say. Their interest is very different, right? So it's all about that, that approach that happens and just to be aware of it. Now, the question that I would ask is I would say, hey, excuse me. Yeah, just a really quick question. What's your life story? Boom. That's it. <laughs> That's one really good one that you can ask. Some people are really receptive. And we'd be surprised. In the UK, I believe they actually announced it first. But it came over to the US as well that there is an epidemic of loneliness, yeah. right? Most people feel like they can't even speak to anybody. Yeah. And sure, who's a stranger? We underestimate the need of, for a connection that other people have, especially now. So you ask them that and they may say, oh, who are you? What is this? Like, you know what? I understand it's a really deep question and I can understand you may not want to answer it. I'm just curious, you really intrigued me, right? You acknowledge their objection or their barrier mm. and then say, yeah, that is all true. However, you just really intrigued my interest. Tell me about yourself. That's something that I would say. And then if you do want to switch it, that would be the first one I would ask. The second one would be to ask them a question be like, hey, if you were to look at me right now, what do you think is my, ba my backstory? Something about yourself where you can get their opinion. That way they feel like the expert. Mm -hmm. And you're asking them instead of, instead of prying, you're asking them to in a way judge you. 
and it's it's a different dynamic for that. I really like the the concept of those two approaches. Mm -hmm. My first thought is like personally, which is which would stop me, and I, I think a lot of people would stop in the tracks because they're like, what if it becomes awkward, or what if they go like, why are you asking me this? You know, it's like this yeah. fear of rejection, I guess. Uh, the fear of rejection is lethal, 100%. And in that moment, if, they, if anytime someone asks why people fear rejection, why they also lack confidence, is because they don't plan for the contingencies and they're also very dependent on how else someone else will perceive them, right? So if someone asks that question, say, oh, why are you asking me that? What's that? You literally just acknowledge it. You say, oh, you're right. Actually, it's a very different question. I'm just very curious. Because you don't want to create a disconnect with them, mm. right? They're saying it's awkward. You, if some people are so silly and they'll say, no, it's not. Why? What's wrong with that? You're already creating friction. Yeah, initially, yeah friction. Why? We don't need friction. We don't need that. You can say, oh, I totally understand. Yeah, I'll tell you. It happened to me once. I was the same way you were. I'm just curious. right? So you kind of have to double down on your approach and double down on the answer. Because a lot of times people will nag you, right? It's the same thing in a relationship. I, I, I always like to get into these subjects. Typically, let's say if there's a, a guy and a girl and then the guy, the girl seems very upset. And then the guy says, honey, like, is everything all right? And she says, oh, I'm fine. And then the guy goes, oh, okay, great. Bye. Mm. Please, please. <laughs> this is a mistake. So the guy should double down. Instead, he could be like, hey, honey, is everything okay? Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, honey, come on, please. What's going on? Right. And that's actually not the best option in this scenario. What I would actually recommend, and this is if someone you're uh, connected with, you'd say, honey, is everything okay? They say, I'm fine. And instead of saying, no, no, really, tell me what's going on. You literally just say, you know what? Come here and give me a hug, right? Because then now you're creating more physical uh, contact with them. You're getting oxytocin, all these chemicals, mm. and you're reassuring them of your presence. You're doubling down. So people are really just going to test, okay, is this person just coming around? Or are they really going to be here? And do they believe what they say? Are they congruent? with what they're saying. Because if you're out of congruency, guys, no one's going to believe anything you say. And that's trouble. We don't want that. It's no good. Yeah. So what if that person that you're hugging then doesn't want to hug? You're realizing they they're hug. actually not fine. It's probably because you didn't brush your teeth. Or maybe you're not. <laughs> I mean, trust me, I've been there. I've been there. I said, oh, yeah, honey, come. oh, my goodness. Whoops. Never mind. <laughs> no, if they want, obviously, you just, you read the room or you read the situation. You pull back, they, okay, I understand, yeah. So some people are more receptive to physical contact, as we know with the five love languages. Some people are much less, yeah. right? It's a lot of the times people, you know, we're really drowning in isolation. We're starving for this connection and people are hesitant towards the hug. But again, you got to double down, right? I, even my siblings, if I'm ever upset and when I was younger, they would give me a hug and I'd push them away. Mm. But what I really wanted was for them to not let go. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Because it's saying, how far can I push you until you give up on me, right? And I think that's what really happens in these dynamics is, you know, as people, why do they push away the ones they love? Because they want to see how much, like, how much am I really, like, they need to test how much love they have. Because if not, it's not real. If love is not proven, then it can't be real. Love's not a gift, is what people think, right? So people have all these ways of testing, you know, the intimacy, the connection, even in a friendship. If I go rogue for a little bit, when will my friend come back and respond to me? It's it's all these things that we miss, guys, but they're integral in understanding the dynamics that people have every day.
Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I, I can I can think of so many situations where that has happened in the past. Yeah, man. It's it's you either learn the hard way or you learn the harder way, right? Mm. And I don't know about you guys, but I personally believe we actually only learn the harder way. You know? Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's it's the reality. But I, I I guess the more you grow, the better you get in those situations, right? You really yes. yeah, you have so so much more Although, self-awareness. Uh, I mean yes, and right, to have that uh, value. And even just as I was playing basketball. They were full-grown men in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Maybe okay, maybe not. Oh, one guy was 60. His name was actually Bruce, or is Bruce. So we got along very well. <laughs> but you know, ages, yeah. As you get older, you have more opportunities to learn, but it doesn't mean that you will, mm. right? You could have someone who's 22 and super wise, and someone who's 50 who still acts like a child. It's that clarity part that we were talking about, and some. It's unfortunate. Some people just never learn, and then they go through their whole life without without knowing any of it yeah unfortunately. except you know although you guys are obviously aware that's why you're hosting this and you're you're doing everything so you know i mean bruce i'm always so fascinated when i talk to you where is all your uh, wisdom yeah. coming from tell us a bit more it's about not... that <laughs> hey hey look it, it, it takes two to tango it takes two to tango come on in this case it, it takes three, three. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it takes three in this case yeah I've got a question for you, actually. Um, you know, you were, you were saying, um, or your description is your social intelligence coach. Mm. How would you elaborate on that social intelligence? How would you explain what that includes and what kind of topics fall under social intelligence coaching? So that's a great question. With social intelligence, the name explains itself in a way. So social, social dynamics. And then intelligence is understanding you, right? Mm. So a specific definition would be the understanding of yourself and others in social situations, why they do what they do, and how to navigate the behavior that is necessary to get what's needed in that moment, right? So what includes under that is any kind of social interaction you may have, right? So it could be with um, a romantic partner, could be with a boss, could be with a sibling, could be with a stranger at the grocery store. It's understanding where is this person coming from? What needs do they have at that moment? And how can I navigate fulfilling it? Right. And, you know, there's these expressions of hurt people, hurt people, heal people, heal people, love people, love people. If you can understand that when someone's interacting with you, their their behavior is a projection of what's inside of them at that moment and how they're projecting it onto onto you, let's say specifically. So it's understanding how to navigate this. For myself, I've been in plenty of situations, whether it's with work, whether it's with family, whether it's romantically. And, and I only say I know these things quite well because I've gone through very painful experiences that forced me to learn and self-reflect. And now it's so much at the point that being aware of the social dynamics, social being socially intelligent has literally saved my life. Right. Mm. Uh, as we were talking earlier, I had an experience in D.C., which I won't get too deep into it, but I, I did have yeah. an experience where I was in my car and someone tried to take it and they had a weapon and I wasn't able to get out. So then they were they were banging on the window and they were basically threatening me with a weapon. And I said to them, yeah, okay, first, how do I get out of this situation? I can't get out of the car because they may do something physical. Mm. They could have more people with them. 
And that's my only line of defense is being in the car. And I was stuck, so I couldn't move. So that moment, I just thought, all right, where is this guy coming from? What does he want? How do I understand this dynamic? What I did in the beginning is when he said to give me his car or give me my car yeah. or give him my car, rather, I put my arm in front of the near the steering wheel so that he couldn't see the the gas tank. Right. And I did that. And when I did that, I said to him, I said, listen, man, even if you were to take the car right now, where are you going to go? There's no gas in this car. You wouldn't even make it very far. So that's understanding that people have needs that they'll carry out on. But if I create a barrier for them, they're not going to be able to act out on my need. Mm. And when I did that, I blocked his view so much so that he couldn't see it, but not so much so that he knew I was lying. Right? It was that fine balance of it. And then at that moment, he goes, ah, okay, you know, all right, whatever. I just need everything in the car. So in that moment, with the social intelligence and knowing how other uh, humans would behave, I heard him say that he would concede, right? He said, okay, fine, whatever. I need everything in the car. As soon as he said that, I knew I was good. He's willing to cooperate. We can work together. Yeah. After that, he says, I need everything in the car. I said, man, look around. There's nothing you're going to want. And I had so many things in the car. I had my phone, had wallet, everything. Right. So it's understanding that at that moment, he was so uh, in his head and so intense that he wasn't actually paying attention to what's there. After that, he goes, all right, man, listen, I just need money. I'm not going to leave till I get some money. So I said to him, I go, listen, man, I understand you're very desperate financially. I've been there myself and I would love to help you out. However, right now I can't. What I could do is if you're interested, I'd love to help you out with finding some work. If you want to join something in the community, let's do it together. I'm, I'm not against it. I'm with you. So all that is social intelligence because this guy, he was bigger than me. Mm. He had a weapon and he was violent. So it's understanding, okay, what does he want at this moment? And I don't want to hurt the guy. I, I, I felt bad. I, I wasn't even mad at him for one moment. I actually just was a little bit annoyed because it was late. It was like 11.30 at night and I just said, oh my gosh, do I really have to deal with this right now? I'm, I'm so sleepy. And it didn't even seem real, right? But because I was aware and intelligent in, those, in that moment, I knew how to navigate it. And he ended up running when a car came and left me, left me to be, right? So it's really practical settings like that. Well, it's, it was practical, but it was such an intense situation that I learned, okay, if, if I try to be violent with him, it wouldn't work. If I try to stronger him and be tough, it wouldn't work. I had to be very uh, fluid with how I was communicating to literally save myself from that situation. And I think it's where social intelligence can play such a big role in a life or death scenario but also if we translate it to anything that's romantic, anything that's in business, right? When someone's upset at you, do you say, oh, but that's not my fault, I didn't do anything. If you're socially intelligent, you can realize, oh, it sounds like what you're saying is that, no, you're right, look, I'd be so upset too. No, it's true, actually, I see that the same way. What I see from my perspective, guys, just that little switch is a game changer. So I, I highly advocate for social intelligence because without it, you could have all the money, you could have all the power, all the strength, whatever it is. And people will still find a way to not want to work with you because you don't understand them. And if you don't understand someone, they're never going to want to help you, never going to want to work with you or even date you. Yeah. Yeah. The crucial social intelligence. Guys, we got to learn it. There's no, no way around it. But do you think how much of that is intuit intuitive or intuition and how much can you actually really learn? 
So that's a great question. We all have the intuition. Uh, I, I would say it's the mix. So you can, for example, you can understand, okay, someone comes to approach you, right? And you feel uncomfortable. You know that they're not good. You just know that intuitively, right? Mm -hmm. But if someone says, hey, how did you know that? Oh, I just knew it. Oh, okay, awesome. But what if that person doesn't have the same level of intuition that you have, right? It's, it's understanding, yeah, I felt nervous, but why did you feel nervous? Did that, did that person approach you head on? Were they not smiling when they approached you? Did they look at you a different way? It's, it's that combination, right? So if you combine the intuition with knowing the actual theory, both of them together would make it even stronger. Mm. Because our intuition is usually right, but it can also mislead you, right? Just a perfect, perfect example. Have either of you ever been nervous to do something? All the time. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. And your intuition tells you, oh, like, Nina, you're nervous. Max, you're nervous. Whoop, whoop. Are you nervous? Or maybe are you excited? But you just label this feeling in your gut a very different way. Mm. Think about it. I had that very recently. I, I was, I, yeah. I, you had the same thing. Yeah, I, I was, um, I only realized it afterwards. So that the, what I thought was fear or nervousness was actually probably excitement or like yeah the the excitement of the unknown yes um, was ecstatic yes. dance <laughs> ecstatic ecstatic dance you know i want to go dance for now this yeah no i was um it was it was uh for me one of the worst moments i felt like oh god i have to like dance like i'm, I'm bananas and then uh when we started i was like this is not for me this is not for me i'm gonna look like a clown and then five minutes into it, I actually started enjoying it. So I realized, you know, this fear, what I had about doing it actually was excitement for something that I didn't know I liked. Look at that. And, and how did you see yourself overcoming it? Was well, sometimes you just got to take the plunge. You got to jump into it. And it's, it's how we label it, right? So it's part of the intuition. But your, your body lies to you all the time. And some lies are good. If you have, like, let's say if you're actually not really competent at something, and you need to just go out there and do it. Lying to yourself and saying, hey, you can do this can actually be good because you're saying, okay, sometimes if, if you say a lie enough times, repeatedly enough, loud enough, mm -hmm. you'll start to believe it. So the only thing we got to do is we got to understand a lie is only a lie until you turn it into the truth. And that's how I see it. If you say, oh, I'm not competent in working with little kids. Okay, say, no, I, I am competent enough. I do need to do more. Okay, then you switch it. You totally reframe it. And with that reframe, you're going to go into a headstrong, yeah. right? I, I used to have a very big fear of flying for a few years. And I was on a flight from Morocco, or from, was it Morocco? Yeah, Morocco to Canada. And we had a lot of turbulence on this flight. It was tough. And I'm sitting next to this engineer from Turkey. Uh, we're talking life, all these things, philosophy. And we hit turbulence and this one was pretty deep, probably 50 feet or it was a pretty deep one. And then the guy next to me, the Turkish guy, he goes, wow, you know, I love roller coasters. Roller coasters, what? <laughs> and, and that, I'll never forget that because I used to label it, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, but a roller coaster is like that. It's how we, we label it. Of course, don't be delusional and be safe and smart but these little fears, guys, I mean, no, it's unacceptable. It's, 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 it's not right. It's held us back. And there's a beautiful acronym that I enjoy. It's fear is, uh, it's false evidence appearing real. It's a nice one. Yeah, I like yeah. that. 
Yeah. It's, it really stuck with me quite a bit. And Ruth, um, related to like social intelligence and what happened to you in, in, um, in LA, was it LA, DC? Uh, well, sorry. I'm sure it's going to happen soon. I hope not, but this was in DC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's say for our audience or listeners, someone wants to like you know develop and enhance a bit more social um, intelligence in situations that you basically experience. Is there anything you would recommend to do, to practice, to learn, um, to kind of you know read people better in that moment, or kind of read? how you can react towards a certain situation. Hmm. Yeah, the first thing I would say to do is message me on Instagram. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, but guys, I, I'm here, so you gotta, gotta, gotta plug yourself in. No, I'm all, after you do that, or if you're maybe shy, no worries. Definitely read a few books on it, and that's gonna be such a great teacher. But, you know, knowledge is not enough, you must apply it. So, you and you don't need to read every book. Read, I'll, I'll mention a couple books that can be read, but you read a couple books and then you literally just directly apply what you learn in a social situation, right? Let's say, for example, if a book tells you to, when you approach someone to smile, give it from handshake and ask them questions. What you're going to do is after you do that, see how they respond. And then with someone else, don't do that and see how they respond. So you're able to contrast your outcomes and then you're going to measure what works. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of learn the theory and then test the theory and then adjust accordingly when it doesn't turn out the way you want and then repeat when it does. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really the simplest way to do it. One thing that I've learned that's very effective is to. Whenever in a social setting and it's just it's really watching people and seeing like who do they turn to when there's times of crisis and also times of joy. You know, one, one piece of advice I'd give to people, if you want to learn in a group who's very connected with someone else, mm -hmm. let's say there's five people, right? And let's say if I tell a funny joke, you know, it happens every once in a while. So let's say if it happens, right? If I tell a funny one. If I, if I tell a funny joke, you look at, let's say, person three, like number three, and you look at them and you see, okay, who does this person turn to when they're laughing? Because when you're laughing, you want to express that emotion. And if person three turns to person two and maybe touches them, leans into them, okay, you can already tell that they're closer, mm. right? You can also tell in a group setting, if there's one through five, who is, who's talking the most and who is being talked to the most. If person one isn't saying anything, but you notice that two, three, and four, and five, they've spoken to one multiple times, that means they're in a way vying for their attention and they value their opinion and they're curious. To, to hear what they have to say. So it's little things like that that you can test out. Uh, a couple of books that I do want to recommend, I'll just plug them here, is a book called Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. It's really great for the social intelligence and being aware of that. A relatively controversial book, I can understand why it is, but there's so much value in it, is The 48 Laws of Power. It's by Robert Greene. Definitely recommend that. And even just start with those two. Yeah. Read and apply and then pivot from what doesn't work into what does work. My, mic my microphone is standing on Captivate. <laughs> so I'm very close <laughs> to reading it. Well, you oh, recommended man. it to me, so I bought it. I also got cues from her, the other book. Oh, cues, cues is great too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and guys, it's, oh, actually there's another one that blew my, this is a must read. It's uh, 92 little ways to talk to people, 92 little techniques or something like that. Okay. 
there's so much that we can do guys and one thing that i have to emphasize is because max you asked about intuition and yeah some people have gifts but the reality is most people don't mm. especially when it comes to social intelligence so i'm a firm believer that if someone else can do something you can do it too you know i can't be two meters or two and a half meters let's say i just can't that's okay but if there's a skill that someone has you can learn it so you're not born with social intelligence as much you can literally work on it to develop it if you're relentless and the dividends it pays is incredible the roi is infinite 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 yeah what was it 92 92 techniques on how to talk to others something like that. like those three books you read them what's your favorite wow. technique favorite technique in what setting am i making the cold approach am i navigating conflict i think um well i'm interested in the cold approach cold approach this one as well are you and i asked the questions this is quite yeah. specific the best way to go into anything is to First, you got to go in and just have an atmosphere, like an aura about you that's relaxed. Because yeah. if you seem tense, you can say what the cure to cancer is, but people won't listen because they're scared of you, yeah. right? So you got to go in relaxed, you know, your chest up, smile, definitely be open. What you could say that's the best approach, and I asked for the specific, because if it's romantic, if it's just a coworker, something like that, say something that is different that they don't hear all the time. Because people think in patterns, right? When someone, like, for example, so, someone the other day, uh, they asked me like, oh, how are you? I said, oh, like, I'm good, how are you? And they said, oh, I'm blessed. Blessed, what? I stopped, I said, what, what are you? You're blessed? I never heard that. So now I'm speaking with people, I say, hey, how's it going? They go, good, how are you? I said, amazing. I say, amazing, what? You already break their pattern. So anything that you can do to go in that can break their pattern is incredibly valuable. I would say that's the best cold approach in any sense when if it's more so the courtship phase or something like that there's a very valuable technique in the book called the 92 techniques mm. it's called the what's it right so every time we go out in any setting we're very uh, conscious about what we wear even people who throw on whatever they know that they're throwing on whatever you know <laughs> if someone's wearing a necklace if they're wearing a watch i'm wearing this these rings i know that's there so in a way in let's say the the courtship phase let's say Sometimes, and this is a frame of mind, right? A lot of guys think that uh, girls don't want to speak with them. But what they actually don't realize is that if they have this belief in their mind that most girls actually do, they're just nervous, right? So something that's valuable is if you wear something called a what's it, which is a ring, it's a watch, it's a necklace, it's a Hawaiian shirt, whatever it is, you give someone the opportunity to come over and they can ask you, oh, what is that? Oh, show me that ring. What's that ring? And you can do the same thing for someone else. Probably for a guy, I wouldn't recommend going over there and being like, hey, honey, I love your shoes. Oh, where'd you get them? <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's probably not going to give you the best, the best outcome. You know? and, and the big mistake as well is the cold approach. Me, you could go up and say, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful. I can't believe it. Yeah, but they hear that every day. right? So you're fulfilling their pattern. Mm. And unless you're a Brad Pitt, it's not really going to do much. Right? <laughs> so it, it, you're, you're already shooting yourself in the foot. What's very valuable, especially in this area, when you go to approach something friendly, like don't think about it. Cause if you think it's not authentic in the same way, you just flow with what's there in that moment and you use your environment, you use what's in that moment. For the girl, 
it's different. You don't always want to say, uh, okay, like what's this? What's that? Sure. But if they have a tattoo, they're like, oh, that's a sick tattoo. Like, wow, what is that? Oh, tell me more about it. Oh my goodness, really? You know, and then relate with them. Mm. Uh, because I have long hair, I, I say that this always is successful is as you're speaking say, wow, your hair looks incredible by the way. Because it's effort that they put into it, right? A lot of a lot of uh, ladies, they're just, made, let's say, naturally attractive. But they have a nice, uh, they like look very nice. So they didn't really do as much work, so they don't really take as much pride in it. It's the same if, if, if your parents give you a car, you'll appreciate it. But if you have to work hours, hours, years to earn it and buy it, there's a sense of pride that comes with it. And then when someone acknowledges it, you value it even more. So in these approaches, go in, obviously the presence has to be great. There's not one liner that works well, but the biggest fail-proof one liner that could work or that does work very well, you just go up and say, hey, hi, I'm Max. What's your name? Mm. That's it. That's it. Although I actually don't recommend doing that so much because you don't gauge your level of interest. But just go up, say that. That could nearly fall into the pattern again, couldn't it? It could fall yeah, into the pattern. But, At that moment, you But then again, it. how often does a max come up? <laughs> well, usually there's only mints, right? Yeah. But you're, you're, you're max. You're, you're at the top. You got to pick it. So there's <laughs> a lot of different things, guys. But you go with great intention and ha- have a backup plan. If they say, oh, I'm like, oh, like you weirdo or whatever. If they say anything that actually turns you the wrong way, you literally just stay in that moment and you don't have to say anything. Because if they say something that maybe is negative, you could actually just stay silent and then they'll they'll say something and think, oh, wow, that was actually kind of rude what I just said. Hmm. Why did I do that? Right. Like you're you're, you're dancing. It's a dance. Mm-hmm. Guys. It's, a, it's a constant dance that goes on. Bruce, how do you approach a lady somewhere in a club, in a social gathering? Man, there's a whole science behind this. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very diff- it's very interesting because I was recording yesterday at the beach and it is different. It, it's You work within the environment, right? So if someone's at the library, they're probably there to learn. So you have different resources you can use at that moment. If they're at the beach, if you're playing a sport, if you're at the gym, whatever it is. So what I enjoy doing the most whenever I need to approach someone is really to, you got to ask a question. Because a question, it gets the person to think and it makes them very present. If you just say something, they're just receiving it. It's like, whoa, what is this? And if you ask them a question, yeah, that can also be a little intrusive. And some people find that intrusive, but most people won't. So some things that I've used, uh, like the what's it is very valuable. Say, hey, excuse me, what is that? Oh my goodness. Wow, wait, can I see that real quick? Wow, oh my gosh. Just like that. Another one could be, you ask them a question like, hey, did you guys see what happened over there? No, you didn't see that? Oh my God. And there's a bunch of different ones you can use. Uh, when I was beginning uh, coaching and working with guys in this area, I had to do a lot of research. And I don't want to suggest something without doing it myself. So I played around with many different techniques, right? So one of them that I did is uh, I went, and this actually works very well. It's, it's incredible. I went to a wine bar and then just to play around, I went up to the bar and there was a girl who was ordering a drink. And I said, hey, uh, do you see that girl over there? And she goes, wait, who? I said, yeah, you see the one in the corner? She goes, yeah. I said, could you believe what? Could you believe that she uh, she told me she was a white witch? Do you believe that? And she goes, wait, what did she say? Right? She said, she, okay, why would she say something like that? I, I just don't get it. And then what you're doing there is you're breaking the pattern, you're creating presence, and you're differentiating yourself from every other guy 
who basically goes, hey, baby, let me buy you a drink. What is that? <laughs> what is that? And that's such, that comes from a place, like, basically what you're doing in that moment is you're saying, hey, you're a total stranger who I know nothing about, but I only value you because of your external beauty. So I'm going to buy you something and then with the hopes that you reciprocate without any mutual exchange. What, what's that? That's, it's, it's, it's lunacy, right? But people get stuck. So I'll do stuff like that. Uh, I mean, really, those are the two most simple ones. And then if I am somewhere where there's more of a dancing vibe, uh, you can't see this on, uh, or you can't hear the, or see this on the recording. But let's say if I am at a club or if I'm at a lounge or anything like that. At these places, people don't want to talk as much when the music's loud, right? You want to dance. And maybe if you're feeling the connection, you may go near the bar, you may talk, something like that. What I like to do is, and I really recommend this, is a little booty bump, right? <laughs> because what you're doing there, like you just, bump, you just bump their booty a little bit. Now, or actually it's more their hip. You bump the hip and then you see how they respond. Because the, the, the hips of our body, it's our center of gravity, right? So what happens is when you knock someone off of their center of gravity, they have to recalibrate and then assess the situation. Say, whoa, who just entered my orbit? I'm the sun, Did, who just came into my orbit? Mm. So then they come in and then they can see, and you can just tell, are they, did they smile in return? Did they return the, the booty bump? If so, you're already connecting. And then if you want to escalate and just see if they're interested or not, like this, I do this all the time. I find it very valuable, uh, or I used to do it now, not so much. When you're connected with someone like they're in front of you, what you can do is you can put your hand out and you just leave your hand out right in front of them. If they're receptive, they'll give you their hand, right? If not, if they don't give you their hand, then they're just not interested. And it's all good. So they give you their hand. You pull them in just a little bit, maybe like three to six inches. And then you give them a little spin, right? The spin, it shows that you're demonstrating confidence. You're looking to be playful. And again, it's to see how they respond. So it's the little things like this that you can do that are different. Like nobody does that. I see every time I go out, I maybe see two or three people do that the entire night. And all that does is showing that you're not afraid to put yourself out there and you're interested to see what happens. And Nina, you can even, being the lady on the panel, what is a more attractive quality in a man than someone who's confident and is not dependent on someone else for their validation? I mean, come on, is that fair or is, am I incorrect? No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. If, if someone lacks confidence and self-assurance, do you think that they're gonna protect you in a different setting, right? And that's actually another thing, guys, why in these quick conversations, what will happen is a lady will, I don't know if I can curse on here, I don't necessarily want to, but they'll test you. We'll, we'll just say that, they'll test mm. you, right? And the reason they'll test you is to really understand, okay, this guy's confident, but is he all talk or is he part, does he walk, right? Mm. And the reason that happens is to know, okay, if I test this guy and he doesn't even pass the test I'm gonna give him, what happens if we actually date and in the real world, there's a threat and he won't protect me? Like, why would he protect me then if he can't even protect me now? If he's not congruent now, why would he be congruent then? So it's all these things that happen. And it's it's really just the confidence we go in with, being playful, being different. And anytime, like, I'll give you a great example, actually. This, this will be the icing on the cake and then we can go to the next one. <laughs> uh, the, person I asked, the person I asked yesterday, right? Uh, we're speaking and then, I was asking him a question like, okay, so, you know, are you single? Do you, uh, what would you rate yourself out of 10? Okay, what would you rate me? I asked her that, right? And then she looks at me and all this stuff. 
And I go, okay. Uh, she was like, honest or lie? I was like, okay, let's just lie. It's okay. No worries. And she goes, okay, lying, six, right? She gave me a six. So then I was like, okay, interesting. Now let's tell the truth, right? So it's like that playful little spin mm-hmm. on what she said. Because she says a six and most guys would be like, oh my God, what is all this? I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay, now what's the truth? And she was wearing glasses. So I could have said, okay, now without the glasses so you can see better, right? It's like, how are you playful in that dynamic? and not submitting to their test. Because uh, people like that, they'll be like, oh, you're not that good. And then they're expecting you to be like, oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I came up to you. My bad. Please forgive me. Forgive me. (laughs) Why why are we asking for forgiveness when we didn't do anything wrong? There's so much to this, guys. Uh, Yeah, but but I have have a a question actually to that. Uh, Two, what what was the uh, number when, uh, when she told you the truth? And well, then, so she actually, she, she, look, she actually didn't it. say the number because okay. she had just laughed. She had just laughed. And, now, and um, um, the other question yeah. is like, obviously, to do that, what you did, you know, that conversation requires a lot of confidence. But I think there's a lot of guys out there that lack that confidence. Yes. Um, how do you get to the point to, like, I think a lot of guys would, would love to do that. And they can imagine it in their head, going up to the girls, spinning them around and, you know, being the playful, funny guy. But then when it comes yeah. to the moment of actually acting... They, mm-hmm. they sort of get fearful of like, what if I look like the monkey on the dance floor? Like, yes, yes. How do you yep. get, how do you get from that point to actually acting mm-hmm. it out? That's an amazing question. And even yesterday, I still had that fear. When I went up, I said, oh boy, shoot, I got to actually do this. Dang it. Damn. It was tough. <laughs> so a couple of things that like the two best ways that I've experienced is the first thing to understand is everything that you've done up to this point hasn't gotten you the results that you wanted, right? And clearly it probably hasn't. So you really had to internalize the pain of it, right? How many times has it happened that you didn't approach, you didn't uh, take that chance and what were the consequences? So you really had to internalize that and not think about it in your mind, but really feel it physically and just ask yourself, do I want this to continue? And if you don't, then you're to that next step. So that I would say is the first step. The second step, which is why most guys don't approach or even speak is because they don't have uh, a structure or like a a game plan per se, right? So what they would need to do is they need to plan for the contingencies of what can go wrong, right? People are nervous to go up to someone because they think, what am I going to say? If you have things in your bank of things that you can uh, count on whenever, you're not going to be as nervous, right? I'll give you a great example. Uh, This is something that... uh, I learned, I actually had used it and I find it very valuable uh, and it works, it really works quite well. So let's say if you're out somewhere, you're really connecting with someone, they're giving some signs that they're interested, but in today's world, you're never really sure, right? You know, there's a lot of people who are just very flirty, very playful, very fun, but they're not interested, right? So let's say that you two are connecting, you're having a lot of fun throughout the night or even throughout the day, maybe you went for lunch, right? Let's say now it's getting a little more romantic and you want to go in for a kiss, right? You want it. That's the cherry on top. You want the kiss. You want to connect. A lot of guys are nervous in this situation, and I've been nervous as well, and I still get nervous. But because I have a, a way to go about it, I'm not as nervous. The first thing you want to do is obviously you got to feel for if they're interested. And you can basically tell if you're socially intelligent. You can have that, uh, that awareness. But it's very simple. I ask, I ask a very simple question. Question that I asked and that I would share with guys to ask is you would say, 
you're just looking at them and you would say, hey, would you like to kiss me? Right? It's very simple. It's very straightforward. Now, for most guys that, oh, my God, why would I say that? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. right. It's craziness. Yeah. What but if she says no? That, hey, we plan for that. It's okay. So let's go through it, right? Mm-hmm. You have to plan for every response. And they may come up with something you never heard of. But if they say, yes, I would love to. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, nice. That's nice. Great. And then you're you're there. They may say, oh, like, not right now. And then you say, okay, cool. What about in like 10 minutes? Or like, five, you know, just, or like, what about later? Whatever. And for me, I'm more forward. I'm like, oh, I understand. What about in like two minutes? I'll, I'll, I'll go get a piece of gum. Yeah, I'll send you or an Outlook invite. I'll send you an invite. Mm-hmm. Okay, just make sure to accept the invite, all that. So that's the response for that. If they go, um, oh, like not here. Okay, no worries. Okay, then, okay, like, let's go outside. Let's go, let's go to the lounge. Oh, like, let's just go to the beach. Okay. So it's just that setting. Now, if they say, no, I'm not, no, what? Why would you ask me that? Very simple response. You can go, oh, well, I, I never said that you could. It just seemed like you had something on your mind and I wanted to make sure. That's it. You plan for the contingencies and then your confidence gets much better. Yeah. And even that response, like, I never said you could. That's playful and the whole dynamic of romance and flirting, like you're always lying when you're actually flirting with somebody, if you think about it, right? So if, for example, if I'm speaking with someone and I'm like, wait a second, didn't I see you on that cover of that magazine, the GQ, you were the supermodel? That wasn't you? Wow. Okay. Look just like you. Yeah, I'm lying, but it's a playful thing. They understand I'm playing. There's nothing malicious about that, right? When you say, I never said you could, it's that same tendency. Say, look, I never said you could, but... It seemed like you had something on your mind. And that's it. And then say, oh, you weren't? Oh, okay. No, it's all good. No worries. Because then at that point, what you also did is you express your interest and you demonstrate to them that you're not going to tiptoe this, hey, I'm going to pretend to be your friend for six months to a year, take you out to restaurants, drive you places, uh, take care of you, blah, blah, blah. And then when I go for a kiss, you're going to look at me and say, oh, my God, what are you doing? You're such a weirdo. No, I said we were friends. Oh. Yeah. And guys, that happens. That happens. That happens. I've been there. It's brutal. I did not enjoy that experience. It's I don't wish it friend zone. Yeah. The, oh, and how, how do we get out of the friend zone, right? Yeah. Let's just quick. Let's quickly tackle that before the next question. The friend zone. It's a place. It's like deep in the ocean, right? It's it's like the trenches of the ocean. That once you're in there, you may never get out. There are some people who are still never. They still never made it out of there. It's a tough place. The friend zone, you get there because you didn't induce the frame that demonstrates you're actually attracted, right? So, you know, people will treat you the way you treat them, typically, right? It's like that reciprocal line of uh, interaction. But if you give off the friendly platonic vibes the entire time, you're not really creating any space for that attraction to actually build. If they do put you in the friend zone, or like this actually happened to me, this is perfect. I, I was seeing a girl and... That was going well. And then later on, she goes, hey, you know, actually, uh, I think it's better off. It's like, we're it's like, I don't think we should continue to see each other, but like, I'd love to stay friends, right? A lot of guys, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, yeah, like, oh, sorry to hear that. But yeah, I totally understand. Okay, cool. And then the girl, girl's mind, she goes, great. I get all this attention. I don't need to get physical with him. And I'll just keep him in my back pocket until my current situation doesn't work out and he'll be my backup, Right. That's just not how it works. So instead, when anything like that happens, it's not brutal. It's actually self-respect. You could say, oh, like, I thank you for your honesty. 
yeah, I, I don't really want to do that, uh, but I wish you the best of luck. And if you change your mind in the future, reach back out. Yeah. That's it. But people don't do that because they're so scared of loss and they live in scarcity that, oh, if they lose this person, it's gone. And yeah, they can be an amazing person. And this girl I'm speaking about is amazing. She's such an incredible person. But you see, it's you can't have a relationship or any, any even if it's romantic or whatever dynamic, if it's asymmetrical, right? If one person's above the other. And if you're constantly chasing and saying, okay, I'll be your friend, hoping that one day you change your mind. I mean, Nina, can, is it difficult or easy to respect someone who behaves like that? It's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, it's just, it's no self-respect, guys. But uh, I and that's been, that's been my experience. No, I, I agree. I mean, to be honest, I also had that with guys. You know, yeah. I, I find like often they use that also as an excuse. Yeah, we can, we can still be friends. You know, doesn't matter if you reject them or, or they reject you. Um, yeah. I don't really believe in that. Like, it's, why would I be work. friends with someone if I wanted to date someone or he wanted to date me? Why would I be, you know, it, if it doesn't work yeah. out, it doesn't like, I don't need to be friends because I didn't create a deep connection in the first place anyways with this person. So using that as an excuse just to kind of, you know, feeling better, I think is very selfish. You know, you can just be like, you're not for me and I'm not for you. And that's completely fine. But let's not make it difficult and be like, oh, we can stay friends. You know, I have enough friends. I don't need more. <laughs> let's face it. So that's the reality. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of people you know, just say, like, let's stay friends because they don't want to hurt the other person or they're scared to hurt the other person. Right. It's I, like, let's stay friends. It's better than saying it's not for me. Like, I'm sorry. You know, yep. but yeah. it probably is the better way to do it. Absolutely. There's a better well, not probably it. it is. It is. And what you're actually doing is, uh, Nina was saying, it's, it's selfish, right? It's saying, hey, I want to protect how I feel when I know what, if I'm honest with you, it'll actually help both of us, right? And I mean, let's be fair. It's never easy to break up with someone or quote unquote reject somebody, right? It's never easy, but guys, I mean, this is part of maturity. It's part of understanding that. And you can do it tactfully, right? You don't have to say, Hey, yeah, no, you're a total monster, and I don't think everyone's ever gonna. <laughs> you're just you're a freak. I don't gotta say that. You can be very tactful, big. Hey, like, ah, like I really enjoyed going out. You were amazing. Uh, I liked our connection, but I'm I'm looking for something a little different. I really wish you the best. Good luck. Boom, done. It's short. It's crisp. It's firm. There's no fluff, and it's the just them. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's I, respectful. That's yeah. Exactly. That's respectful. I, I guess I would respect someone so much more if they would just be like, it's not for me. Or, you know, but I, I wish you all the best, you know, and that's it. Because yeah. let's face it, every time this happens where someone says, like, come on, we, uh, we can still be friends. Oh, God. You never talk again anyway. <laughs> so you're actually you never, never going to continue being friends. I mean, very rarely. I, I, I don't think I've experienced that. Yeah. You just say. Um, Bruce, I have one question that came to my mind um, because I was discussing that with a few of my um, girlfriends. When we spoke about, you know, going on dates, and I think we touched on that also recently in our phone call. Um, we identified that sometimes guys, they don't really ask questions. So you are the one on a date asking all the questions. So you don't really feel there is like a mutual interest. Um, mm. So how do you go about that? Like, is that insecurity? Is that like, we, because we were asking ourselves, so why do we ask all those questions? And 
he might only ask one or two is he not interested or like what is the what is the dynamic here mm, so you're saying what is going on in the guy's mind yes yeah not so only in the mind also why are they not asking questions i like we discussed it we had similar experiences where we felt they yeah. were not really asking much questions you know it was all about let's let's get another drink how are you how's life you know like I, no 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 deep questions you know i would like to before bruce answers okay i would like to ask nina actually what do you think it is i mm, think um so for me it appeared that he was very insecure like insecurities i i i guess Hmm. Mm. What, what I, I mean, I'm, I'll add to that. Insecurities is a part of it. And I, most of the time people just don't know. Like you just don't know what you don't know. So someone may think, I ask the question, how are you? Okay. That's enough. They're just not aware. I, I think it's just a lack of awareness. It's not always a lack of interest. It is really a lack of awareness. It's a lack of having that bank of questions. You know how to ask, right? Because you can have the most amazing human on earth. But they just don't know. Mm. So I, I would say even with your girlfriends, that's probably what it is. They either lack awareness. And then I would say you guys have to ask yourself, what if you're going on multiple dates and that's the, well, let's say with that same person, right? And they're not really asking questions. They're not really giving a lot in that dynamic. Then you may just have to pivot somewhere else. I think that's really what it is. I, I think I, for me, that would be the most simple way to go about it. And again, it's not a reflection on you. It's just a reflection on them. That's did the, the other, simplest way. Well, yeah. Did the other girls agree on that? Like, was it this? Did you did you conclude on the fact that it's usually yeah. insecurity or? Mm, yeah, insecurity and maybe also the energy you're reflecting, you know, let's say you're quite a confident woman. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes hard for guys. I do get that to kind of. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Play, play the game. Yeah, I want to I want to add to this, actually, just uh, what happens is, from my experience, is when you have like, you're saying the example, uh, Nina, with uh, you and your friends, you guys are more accomplished, everything like that. Guys do get very nervous. That usually happens or that always happens in my mind because they lack a very strong uh, masculine uh, presence within themselves. And the less masculine you are, the more intimidated you are by someone who may challenge you. That's how I tend to see it, mm -hmm. right? So even I had the experiences as well, and I've really worked on this quite a bit, that, you know, even the travel I did to Morocco, right? Uh, I made that travel to Morocco, and I was traveling with, a, with an incredible lady, and you're very feminine and all that. And we traveled for six days together around the country. That's a long time. I've never traveled. The last time I traveled along with anybody was maybe with uh, my family immediately. <laughs> and what I realized is, my goodness, this woman is very, very feminine. And I could just imagine a bunch of uh, other of my guy friends or people I know in my situation would probably not be able to withstand the, the waves, the crashing waves, right? A great way to view this analogy, it's like the feminine is like the weather, right? Unpredictable, yet powerful, right? The masculine is like a mountain, firm and immovable. And can withstand whatever the weather throws at it, right? I mean, you, when's the last time you saw a mountain, a real mountain, crumble? Never. never. You never saw a real mountain crumble. And have you ever seen any weather really destroy a mountain? No, right? It's like it's that it's that dance between the two. 
I, I really would see that's what it is. It's a lack of the, the masculine frame. Mm -hmm. And what the guys do is they forget that in that dynamic, like as accomplished and professional as you may be, you still want to feel feminine on the inside, right? You still want to have that playful dynamic. You still want to feel your feminine. And I think if, if the guys that are on these dates were more aware of that and knew not to be as so serious and just more open, they'd probably have a better, a better time with you guys instead. I was just thinking instead of next time that happens, instead of asking, like you taking the, the role of asking the questions, what? just confront them and say like, what do you want to know about me? <laughs> You know, hey, you know, just look, they'll probably struggle with that. They'll be like, oh, oh, they'll probably break the pattern. No, we said break the pattern. <laughs> and sometimes they need that, guys. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. It's like behind every strong man is a, is a very strong woman and vice versa. Right. It, it's it's that dance between the two. Mm. You're going to do that next time. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys see? I'm actually curious to see from your point, because uh, with coaching in itself, and not even just relationally, because we were talking about the social intelligence aspect, are there times when you're maybe working with someone and you just notice like even they don't know how to communicate with you and maybe they're lacking something? Like, do you guys ever notice that? This one's for Nina. Yeah, I'm just thinking. So when guys communicate with me, you mean? Yeah, so whether it's even with coaching or even any other dynamic, like what is something that you see as the most common thread among them that would help you to better understand them? Observe them very much in detail. Right. You know, the way they speak, what kind of words they use, the body language, the energy. Um, I think the, the body language in general is quite yeah. quite a huge topic. Yeah, parents they have yeah and also yeah the language like mm -hmm. especially the words they use mm. and how they interact with different people and different dynamics i also read that a lot yeah you guys ever notice um you may have a really great friend or just know somebody that in one setting there may be this kind of person and in another you look at them and you think what who are you like you're acting so different yeah yeah because yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And yeah, in certain settings, you'll behave differently, but your core identity won't change, right? Like if you're at a funeral versus a wedding, you'll probably behave a little bit differently, but you'll still be that same presence. Like you won't not be who you are. Yeah, you know? because your values are the same, right? So it's not your that values you're... are the same. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, I really but... hope people act differently at weddings to funerals. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's the thing, actually, you know, in, in India, uh, for them, they actually are very joyous at uh, funerals, right? Yeah, celebration of and, life, isn't it? More of a... Yeah, yeah, celebration of life. And it's exactly, it's like the culture, the context, uh, but we would hope so, right? Like, you know, you see people laughing at funerals. It's These are weird things. And they lack social intelligence, right? I was just going to say, social <laughs> intelligence comes back into play here. Always, man. And a lot of people do, and this was a, a challenge I had to deal with for years, was people, everyone has a defense mechanism, which they've developed over time, whether consciously or unconsciously, to deal with conflict or adversity, we'll say. For mine, it was using humor a lot to diffuse situations, right? Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't always work. So it's knowing like in what settings do you, when you use a certain defensive tactic work, mm -hmm. and when does it not? It's being socially intelligent. At the funeral, the person may laugh and just be distant, 
But really what they want to do is they want to cry and feel close. Until they are more socially aware, they're going to just you know, make these mistakes. Yeah. And also, yeah, I think, I guess that also comes down to the fact like how you act in conflict. What is your conflict? You yeah, how you oh. act in conflict. What is your um, conflict strategy? Max, <laughs> Max and I touched on that recently. So. Yes, yes. The, the, there's there's an amazing graph uh, or it's like this rectangle with five squares, a square in the middle, and it basically has different points, right? Like maybe you're an avoidant, you're a, uh, gosh, there's four of them. I should know this. I studied it. But it's finding out like what is your tendency as to how you navigate conflict? Like do you accommodate? That's another one. Mm -hmm. Are you avoidant? Are you aggressive? Are you assertive? Right? It's figuring out where you are there. Because if you know someone is very aggressive, for example, and uh, I know someone very well who is quite aggressive in conflict, especially when they lose their temper. And really the best way is just knowing how to deal with that, right? Because what they're really doing is they're unloading on you. And if you resist that and say, hey, don't do this or anything like that, you're basically closing the valve on this body of water that needs to release water. And unless you let them release that, they're not going to be empty, right? Mm. That's why whenever you're in conflict and someone's really upset, all you got to do is listen. If you listen and have them say stuff, they say, oh, Nina, how could you? I can't believe you took Max's toaster and you didn't give it back. Uh, right? Or whatever it is, right? Like, let's just say something like this happens. And then you could say, what are you talking about? I never did that. Even if you did, you just literally have to actively listen and reflect Like, ah, no, I mean, look, taking the toaster, that's that's not, a, that's not a good deal. And they go, you're right, it's not a good deal. How could you? No, I mean, taking that, that's definitely not what we want. Yeah, it's a terrible thing you did. You're right, it's 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 terrible to take a toaster. I, I agree. And then what else do they have? They don't have anything else to yell with. Now, at that point, when they're empty, they can breathe and then look at reality, not so subjectively, but objectively. Because if someone, like, you can't argue against someone's subjective feelings. You just can't. Yeah. You can you can definitely agree on the objective reality in front of you. So it's it's knowing your your conflict style first, and then having the the tools to understand how to navigate that. And the simplest way to do it, guys, is to just summarize it, listen, repeat what they said back to them, saying, "Oh, it sounds like this. Is that what you meant? Oh, does it look like that? Okay, now I understand. Is there anything I'm missing? Make sure I understand. Okay, great. Once you do that, that's the fastest way." to resolve any conflict because now you're on the same plane. Yeah. And when you're on the same plane, you can actually have a conversation. Very true. I've heard that concept before of repeating back to, to make sure you are on the same page and it works. Yes. Uh, a big addition to that, whether it's conflict or anything else, like for example, uh, like let's say um, I'm going to ask you, Max, Max, how was that movie you saw? Was, Just as an example. Yeah. But like, let's just say, how was that new movie you just saw? That was great. Oh, it was awesome, right? Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> you see that? What are we doing? So you said, oh, it was really great. Oh, it was great. Like, you got to use the language. If someone says, if I'm like, man, how was your day uh, or whatever? They say, man, it was that's terrible and exhausting. Oh, yeah, it sounds like you didn't have a good day. What are you doing? Why are you already creating distance within that conversation? Right? If they say it's terrible, say it's terrible. You don't have to lie, but you're actively listening. That's the dance. Yeah. Powerful this. That's very powerful. A very high level of communicating with each other. Hey, look. If uh, everyone I'll tell would you do that. 
We learn. I mean, I see this all the time. I, I see it all the time. I'm like, guys, no, use their language because you can actually, especially in a serious relationship, mm. you can never get in trouble. I mean, you probably still get in some kind of trouble, but you won't get in trouble if you use their own words. If a married couple's arguing and he's like, honey, like, what's wrong? Like, whatever. It's like, oh, you make me feel like uh, I'm terrible. Just as an example. He goes, oh, honey, I don't make you feel good. Oh, I'm sorry. No, honey, you're not listening. I'm listening. You said you don't feel good. No, I didn't say that. What are you talking about? And then it escalates, escalates. And then they fight and then they get a divorce. And then the kids are separated. They lose the house. And then one person gets the cat. The other person gets the dog. <laughs> and then it's just a mess because of one word. You're telling me one word can ruin an entire marriage? I think so. I've seen it happen, guys. Yeah. This isn't right. I think it's something Nina and I've talked about a lot. The the art of communicating is something that our our whole society has, a, not our whole society, but a lot of people have lost because I think we're hiding behind laptops, we're hiding behind phones. We, we're right. not actually, you know, what we talked about today, like talking to a stranger. We don't even know how to do it, and a lot of people think it's weird to, to talk to a stranger. You know, all of that. We're not we're not practicing. We're just sort of. And it goes even further back when you said, you know, the loneliness in the UK. Yeah. I can't remember who said it. Um, recently, someone was saying, like, I think uh, under Theresa May, there was a first sort of minister that was actually yeah. dedicated to loneliness in our country. Like, it's, yeah. it's sad. But that that's the reason why people are disconnected and uh, don't know how to talk to each other anymore. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's like we're having these conversations to address that exact thing. You know, you can have the best intent, but if you don't have the strategy, you know, it's like it's like running east looking for a sunset. Right. Yeah. You can have all the best intent. You want to see the sunset, but the sunset's in the West. So if your roadmap as to how to communicate and how to speak to people, then you're stuck. And social media and all these things have made it way worse, way more difficult. But it actually creates an opportunity. Right. I think it was Churchill. Right. To speak about the UK. Uh, he talked about like how every crisis can be turned into an opportunity, mm -hmm. right? If you really know how to look. And, you know, that, that may be over-exaggerating it with the crisis idea. But if, uh, right now, I actually believe, believe in some ways, it's much easier to stand out and be someone who is really among the rest as being someone who can communicate, who can connect. Because so many people mm -hmm. are losing that. So think about this, for example, you don't have to be the best Right. You just have to know a little bit more than the majority and you're exceptionally you're much ex more exceptional than that. Mm. Right. Like you don't need 100 percent of the information. If you have one percent of the information. You have more than people who have point zero one and you're way further along. Right. And that's where people are. That's where people, people are. Uh, I'd say losing, actually. Yeah, 100 percent agree. Yeah, it's spooky, guys. It's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I, I was just it thinking. Is. I was just thinking, like, even if if a few people just keep trying, you know, maybe they inspire someone to else to say, okay, next time I'm going to try, you know, and then slowly we get back into the habit of actually talking to each other. <laughs> to, yes, I, I do want I do want to bring something up actually, because yeah. we were talking uh, about the approach, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Max speaking about the approach, and again, there's that intuition part of ourselves that fear the approach, and I love the intuition. Uh, for me, I'm. I am more of a creative type, but I do love looking at the analytical, the psychological, and this will really help the listeners because I, I believe that the approach is what scares, especially men, so much. 
And understanding why would really help. So there's two prime reasons why men fear the approach in these settings, why they lack the ability to do it, they're nervous. It goes back to when we were living in much smaller groups of let's say 50 people, right? These small hunter-gatherer tribes. In a group of 20, uh, 50, you probably had 25 men, 25 women. And realistically, you probably had five men and five women who were single or they were ready to mingle, let's just say, right? What happens is if let's say guy number one, like we'll have the guys be numbers and the girls be letters, right? So if guy one goes to girl A, guy one approaches girl A and girl A totally rejects him, right? What happens now is girls B, C, D, and E all know that guy A or the guy one is not, he's not impressive. They should probably stay away from him, yada, yada. So this guy, he just lost his entire chance to meet a partner. That's the first reason. Because now he's outed from the community, right? His social status is diminished. And social status is, uh, it's an important, uh, it's, it's important. We need it. Now, the second reason is if guy one goes and approaches, let's just say, girl A or girl B. He approaches girl B, but he doesn't understand that girl B has a partner already that maybe is very aggressive and maybe very jealous. So girl B is now with guy two and guy two has a bunch of friends. So guy two, guy three, guy four, they're now all gonna team up on guy one and maybe beat him up, maybe hurt him, maybe take his life. We don't know, right? That's, that's the dynamic. So yeah, we've evolved and changed with this basic dynamic of you approach a girl, you're speaking with her and she rejects you. In our heads, we think, oh my God, like everybody else saw that. Now they think I'm a weirdo. Oh my goodness. Then you lose it. Yeah. And if you also approach, and maybe it's going well, but she has a partner who's jealous and secure, maybe just uh, angry, he may hurt you. Yeah. So th that's a mix of the intuition, but an understanding why these things happen. And as soon as I understood that, my fear went totally away because I knew how to prepare. Mm -hmm. When you know how to prepare you and you have the contingencies planned, your fear greatly diminishes. Even now, I get nervous. Every single time I get nervous, 100%. 100%. Which but, is okay, right? Because it means something to you. I think it would be awkward if you wouldn't uh, be nervous because then you're just doing it without any meaning to yourself. I also think every rejection is a redirection for you. Oof. So <laughs> it's just like, uh -uh -uh. no, it's so true. It's just, if that person is not meant to be for you, then it's not... The right person that's that's the whole thing you know i, I, I think always the, again it's also what kind of meaning we give towards this person right and that's what i mean with like redirection this person might not be the right person for you and then it's okay it's like there is not a big it's not a big deal because rejection we all experience in our life it's totally spot on there's an amazing show called frazier mm -hmm. uh, and he's a radio psychiatrist he's quite famous and he has, everybody loves him, right? He's hilarious, he's funny. So let's say he gets 99 reviews of, oh, Frazier, you're so funny and intelligent, oh my gosh. But then in the newspaper, because this was in the 90s, one person would say, oh, Frazier, that quack, oh, he's terrible. And then Frazier, the character, he goes, oh my God, this is terrible. That one person, oh my God, oh. And then he finds that person, he says, hey, can I take you to dinner? Please, please, please accept me. And they say, man, like, I just don't like you. I mean, it's, we're <laughs> it's different. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, it's tough because we want approval and uh, approval is a healthy thing. 
to some extent, right? I mean, you want to be a functioning member of society. You want to be somewhat respected by your peers, admired by your family and those you love. But if you're dependent on that for your well-being, you're depending on something outside of your control. Mm. And it's the same of like, if you depend on a sports team for your happiness, right? You know, people, people will tell me like when their team wins, they go, oh yeah, yeah, we won. Yeah, we, we did it. But as soon as their team loses, go like, yeah, they lost. I don't know what their deal was. You know what? They're terrible. Yeah. They automatically separate with that team, right? So th they get upset because th they're just not as secure inside, guys. Mm. Yeah. We got to figure that out. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> you go. <laughs> I go. <laughs> yeah, so we had a lot of questions. We talked about a lot of things, but I think like something we wanted to do maybe at the end now. Um, sure, sure. Nina, oh, yeah. I think you're sitting closer to them. So we started um, talking about like deep conversations, you know, and how to hold a conversation. And a lot of it is about asking questions. And we started on the last episode, something which is uh, called, what are they called? Conversation cards. And basically, we're going to pick a card for you. It's from uh, the diary of a CEO, Stephen Bartlett. Oh, we I both, love that. We yeah. both love, love the podcast and, and what he does. And um, we, we have these cards here. And we're going to pick a card for you. And it's... Uh, it's yeah you're gonna have to answer it but we 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 do really believe that vulnerability is the door to connection um so nina can i um can i plead the fifth since i'm here in the states or what <laughs> we're in a virtual space there's no rules oh man yeah that's good okay i'm gonna pick one for you thank you sir <laughs> all right so what are the failures you cherish the most? The failures I cherish the most? That's a great question. Mm. It was a plural because there's many. I don't know if it was a failure or fail, failures. It does say failures, but maybe you only had one. Well, hey, you know, you I, 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 got, I got plenty of those. I got plenty of those. <laughs> uh, the failures I'd say, I would really say when a relationship I had that I really wanted to work didn't work. And I view that as a failure because I not like blame myself, but I do believe we need to take responsibility. And it's very easy to say, oh, every person I've ever been with, they've been like that. Yeah. Okay, sure. But what's the common denominator, right? It's, it's yourself. So I, I cherish those because they are the best teachers, right? They say the best teachers are being broke, uh, having and having your heart broken, right? Or uh, being homeless, something like that. I've, I've been all three, you know, and yeah, I'd say those ones I cherish the most because they forced me to grow more than I would have ever if I had not. And it's made me much more competent in helping other people prevent themselves from going through the same unnecessary pain that I went through, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Resonates very much with me. Um, same with you yeah I think I'm not going to go into too much depth but I, I, I definitely agree like one of my biggest failures was a breakup and um, I kind of cherish it I don't cherish the pain I've put that person through but I wouldn't be on that journey on that personal journey that growth and actually looking in the mirror and going you know what the only person that has to develop further is the one you're looking at right now so mm that's why you kind of have to sometimes cherish the failures you've you've had in your life because they they're the beginning of something new something yeah uh, of, of course. Oh, beautiful man and and you either 
I know you both like Jay Shetty, or I know Nina does. You, he says something. He goes, you, he says, get better, not bitter, right? Yeah. And it's from a failure, quote unquote, because you know failures are learning opportunities, but they can make or break you. And if you decide to just get better from it and not get bitter, literally the results are just going to be amazing. So that's I, I, I feel you on that, Max. It's yeah. not easy because, like you said, the pain you may have caused the other person. Uh, but just think about it by becoming more aware and learning from that you're not going to cause the next person that same pain yeah so it's it's a beautiful thing yeah that's very true thank you very much hey. i think that's a very nice note to to uh, end on get better not bitter yeah yeah bruce um, maybe one thing um we usually leave our audience with one action point um something they they can learn develop and as we spoke about social uh, intelligence and dynamics today do you have any mm. action point that you would love to you know provide our audience to take away yes. that they can either practice on a daily basis or once a month like something they can easily you know like implement in their daily life daily life that's that's a really great question and i was actually thinking about this in the sauna before i came <laughs> <laughs> i was there in the moment i said let me think how do i get something yeah i would say something that i really do every single day to the best of my ability. It's four things I do. Uh, I make sure to laugh every day, to cry every day, not like st something serious, but to feel uh, the intensity of that emotion so much. Because I believe, you know, crying when it's not like tears of joy, but crying is one side of the spectrum and happiness is the other, or laughing, let's say. Mm -hmm. So I'd say doing those two give you a full range of emotion. And then you can now tap into any of those areas. So laugh each day, cry each day, learn something new each day. And if you're really relentless, learn some, uh, change your mind on something every day, right? Like maybe you thought avocados were better than pineapples. Change your mind. Maybe you used to think something about communication. Change your mind about that. I'd say doing those four every day, you get a full range of emotion with the laughing and the crying. And with the learning something new, you're expanding your intelligence. And with changing your mind on something, if it makes sense, of course, you're showing flexibility and your ability to receive a different point of view, which I think Max was speaking about it because we don't communicate, we don't do much of. Mm -hmm. So those four I would do every day. And then on the final part with something that's going to help social intelligence, I would say Communicate with just literally someone opens holds the door for you. Say thank you. You're in the elevator. Like, hey, how's it going? Or maybe you don't want to do that, but like, just say something. Get the repetitions in, because the more you do something, it'll become natural, and you the less nervous you'll be when you need to do it in real time. Yeah. yeah. So what did you learn today? <laughs> I love that. Oh, name. <laughs> oh yeah, are you asking me or Matt? Yes. Mm. I hope she didn't ask me because I need to think. <laughs> Oh man! Well, yeah. well first, no, I did. Yeah. I did learn something today. I know what I learned. I learned a lot yeah. from you today. Hey man, hey look, two, through to tango. Of tangos with three people, but we can make it work. Uh, I'll. I mean, I'll just say something that I, I learned as well. Is one of your, both of your guys' presence is very uh, powerful, right? I think that's uh, it's a key skill that many people miss. And I know you probably had questions listed, but because you're listening so attentively, you know how to navigate with it. And also the importance of taking pauses. You guys pause at certain times and yeah, that's great. So often we just say what comes out, but if you actually slow down, you give yourself the ability to speed up. So appreciate that.
Thank you. Thank you. That's very and you know what I learned today? I learned to tango with three people. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce. I got to see it in person. Yeah. When we see each other, we're going to give it a go. Thank you so yes. much. Thank Bruce. you so much. It was lovely um, to have you. Pleasure, guys. Pleasure.